All right, are we started or what? Hello, Andy and Andy. hello. My name is Andy Brown. Hello. Joining me once again, it's Andy Sanford. Uh, it's been a minute. A couple weeks or so. Yeah. Or a month. Yeah, my, or whenever. Yeah. Uh, it's been a couple weeks. Yeah, my, uh, my video card died, and then it looked like you might be taking a break. Yeah. And no, I just changed my mind. take a break. I, cha- I changed my mind. So, uh, yeah, so we're back. and uh, I might change it week, again. We'll see what happens. No, I'm just kidding. I hope not. <laughs> best to be on so your best behavior. Going... Yeah, that's right. Let's uh, see how tonight goes. Right. It's all up to Jay Gross. <laughs> right. No and pressure. So, yeah, speaking of, uh, we are talking uh, this week Special about uh, Big Star and the replacements. And joining us He's is a big star. Uh, the replacements super fan, uh, <laughs> Jim Gross. How are you, Jim? I'm doing quite well. Thank you for asking. No problem, of course. And uh, so I understand that uh, you also have one of the Plague of Andes. What? I do. I I have yeah. an Andy of my own who will be 15 years old oh. tomorrow. Damn. Hey. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, happy birthday. happy birthday. Happy birthday from Name two Andes sake. to the other Andy. Yes. I, I will let him know. You know what? Hey, so, hey, uh, wait, 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 wait. He, you've known us for longer okay. than 15 years. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no. Andy, yeah. Andy was born sure. uh, during the uh, message board era. Yeah, so, absolutely. So, which one of us did you name him after? Oh. <laughs> it's an homage. It's an homage to all the. Don't Andy. tell me that other one. What was just that? What's Andy's, that other one? Just the Andy's. What's that yeah, other one that doesn't uh, hang out anymore? Homework. That was always had weird taste in music. It was Andy? So. Well, we have a. Uh, uh, oh yeah, I know. Who you're talking. Yeah. But we also have last playing out and. Uh, um, uh, Teddy Ball game. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, uh, Bellamer has been on this show. Yeah. yeah. Discussing the uh, the prog rock. Um, yeah. And uh, so both both of your boys play baseball, correct? Uh, Andy does not anymore. Andy actually. does not. No. I, I oh, quit when quit. I was about 15 as well. Well, there you go. <laughs> uh, so how's Mitch doing? Uh, he's, he's off to a good start this summer. Yeah. So we're about, I don't know, a third of the way through, uh, not quite halfway through his summer schedule and things are going quite well, starting to draw some interest from some colleges. So that's interesting. Hell yeah. 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 How, how old is he now? He is 17. He just had his, uh, senior pictures taken today, which is weird. Oh, wow. Yeah. You're going to have one out of the house before too much longer. I know it's uh, insane. <laughs> and uh oh i was gonna mention uh i mentioned that at the end of the last show which is probably not the ideal place to put it uh but we do have a patreon now oh, so yeah. uh 
you won't get anything extra for it, but uh, if you do want to give us money, um, feel free to give us money. Has anyone given um, us money yet? Because I'll find something extra. So far, nobody has given us any money. I know where to find Um, some extras. I I have an extra. (laughs) Uh, It's it's already recorded. I just have to edit it, but I have not done that as yet. Yeah. Um, Including the uh, industrial remix of our of our theme. Sure. You should. Yeah. Yeah. You should have to pay a lot of money to hear that. Give yeah, till it hurts, absolutely. people. Give till it hurts. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, since we had you on, uh, we wanted to talk a little bit about baseball. Uh, we, we've talked yeah, about yeah. it, I don't know, a month ago or so now. Um, and since we talked, the Braves have fallen back a bit. Um, They're still the in Nationals, first place. Yeah, the Nationals, though, as was They've inevitable. Caught up. They've um, caught up, yes. They've improved. They're right back fighting it out for first place. But we and kicked the shit out of the Mets tonight, so that's good. That's always good. Yes. And as I predicted, Marquecas and Suzuki have fallen off severely. Albie's a little um, bit too, and Acuna's hurt. But so when they, yeah, when they, you know, yeah. they'll they'll turn it back around. And some of that young pitching is starting to come online too, so that's good. Yep. Um, and uh, more importantly, though, uh, you went to see them recently at their new ballpark. Yeah, it was great awesome. Seats. Yeah, I had and, super uh, awesome seats. Got, the got super to meet VIP a living seats. legend, Sid Bream. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. why don't you go ahead and tell us about it? Well, then after that, I found out he's like a hardcore Christian, like like to the point where he like goes to schools and tells people that Jews can't go to heaven. So I, you know, I like. Oh, that's not good. I'm not so so down with the whole <laughs> Sid Bream thing anymore. I was like all excited about Sid Bream, and I was like, oh man, shit. <coughs> Sid Bream, I, you know, I still have the bobblehead. I still have my Sid Bream bobblehead. It's still on the shelf, so you know. Yeah, yeah. You'll always have the the slide. I always have the slide, even if he's a whatever he is yeah yeah and uh, uh Jim, hey boys. anyway uh so the last time that andy and i uh talked about the cubs i don't um, remember we were marveling about how their record did not match their run differential and also that rizzo um had seemingly forgotten how to play baseball um and their pitching was very precarious they uh, better they have gotten much better. Uh, what well, they did lose weeks tonight. Weeks and... They did lose tonight, yeah, so we've, we've seeded first place back to the uh, the hated Brewers. But uh, the Brewers go Brewers. Yes, yeah, still only half game back. I like the Brewers. Yeah, the, uh, rubber game of that series tomorrow. They're not. They're not long. The for Brewers. This world. The Brewers. When have the Brewers ever gotten uh, to win anything? Let them. Let them have this. This one. You know, you'll be back next year. Fuck that. What? Fuck that noise, dude. I don't know what you're talking the about. Cubs have been, they've uh, had, you know, the Cubs they won have the American been, League in 1982. It's it's living memory. That was a while ago. Yeah. That's that's plenty. Yeah. Hey, I want a second title, man. That's the year that. before I started watching baseball. I've never seen the Brewers do anything. Well, that sounds like a personal issue. Um, <laughs> it, uh, it probably is. <laughs> I've been most struck this season, though, with uh, um, how well Schwarber and Baez and Almora, like all of them seem to have like leveled up this year. Yeah. Um, and even Jason Hayward has been hitting lately. I don't know what yes. that's going on. Yeah, that's pleasant. He, he had that an, he had the other night. That was, that was fun. He had an inspirational yeah. talk with himself, and he's finally got it together. <laughs> yeah, that must have been what happened. Yeah. <laughs> he took himself back to the back. <laughs> Right into the weight room. Gave, yeah. gave himself, yeah. gave himself a little rub down, and then, <laughs> and then gave himself a motivational speech, and then yeah, he's, and he's back. He's shit, back. he's he's back. He's still not worth like fifty million a year or whatever. Who is? is Who really but, is? But, is anyone really worth yeah, fifty million true. dollars a year? Uh, Mike Trout. But, uh, 
Is Mike Trout really I mean, worth fifty million dollars? In an existential point of view, no, no one is really worth fifty million dollars a year. But, uh, but in baseball, Mike yeah. Trout really might be. Yeah, I guess uh, with the numbers, it, uh, yeah, he's probably is worth that. Yeah. Yeah, if you're gonna pay anybody, that would it would be him. Sure. Um, so uh, and uh, once again, this week you again managed to go to see Gene Simmons. I went and met Gene Simmons again. Experience yeah, again. Again. Yeah. What is, yeah. What's what is going on? Here's how it worked here? out. I bought mine for Nashville, and then you know I had the whole time been I, I took my friend who's my big Kiss fan friend, my bandmate, one of my best friends, and you know we do a lot of Kiss events together. So you know I took him with me because uh, he's done a lot of stuff for me, and so. I was kind of chided with him. I was like, you know, you should buy one in Atlanta and then take me as your plus one. And, and uh, you know. So he, he did. He, we had a lot of fun in Nashville. And he's like, yeah, I think I'm going to buy one for Atlanta. I'm like, hell yeah. And then it was he didn't actually buy it till two days before. So up until two days before, I still wasn't sure if we were going or not. And then he was like, he's like, do you want to go? And I'm like, of course I want to go. What? <laughs> what kind of question is that? I was like, I definitely would love to go, but if I can live without it, if you can live without it. So it's not a huge deal to me. You know, it is kind of expensive. So. But he, he decided to do it, and, and we, it was awesome because, it, I mean, part of the reason why the Atlanta one was better than the Nashville one was because we did the Nashville one. Because the first thing that happened when we walked in, Gene said, I know you guys. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it, was, it started off You're awesome. You aren't going to kill me, are you? <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 you know, because he re- remembered us and we already all kind of had a rapport, you know, it, it, it got it more more personal and the, the it was set up better it was in a private room this time instead of kind of out in the open when you were meeting gene so it was really just you and gene and a couple of his helpers so it was it was very more you know individual and and and, and felt more intimate yes very very much so <laughs> so did you get intimate no no however <laughs> however while while gene while gene was looking at the stuff that we brought for him to sign which was you know a couple old things and a couple newer things he's like oh this is new this is old this is new he's like you know we've got a new kiss toilet seat coming out and so without really thinking i just kind of boarded out oh so we can sit on your face and poop <laughs> and he gave me this look like are you fucking crazy and the angel he said <laughs> He said, you don't, what, you don't believe me? I'll show you here. And he fucking whips out his phone and he talks in this phone. He's like, kiss toilet seat. And then fucking pops up the toilet seat. And yeah, so that was pretty funny. See, how much? How much? How much? Oh, I don't, I didn't even ask. I don't know. I don't know. My, my, my friend says, my friend says, hey, how about a kiss jukebox? And Gene goes, a jukebox? A kiss jukebox? It sells you the product and then it wants it back? Oh, goodness. Oh, goodness, Gene. <laughs> I mean, Come he's, on, he, he's Jewish. Come he's, allowed, on. he's allowed to do that. Yeah, I know. I know. He and Paul Stanley are both Jewish. He's, there's lots of Jew jokes about Kiss. It's told by Gene and Paul, so it's okay. Yeah, you're allowed yeah, to laugh. Yeah, yeah. It's it's okay. It's you're allowed to laugh. <laughs> okay. Be offended if you want. Oive, exactly. Fucking oive. <laughs> yeah. I was in a, a children's theater play once, and we had someone dressed up as a can of oive cola. <laughs> There's a random aside for you. Wow. <laughs> random was, random things that, was, that pop that out. Yeah. What was the play? It was just a random uh, play, like a greatest hits of Broadway type play with a bunch of different songs. And I can't remember. I think it was Join the Circus. We had you know all kinds of people dressed up as crazy stuff. And someone was dressed up as a can of Oive Cola. Well, that makes perfect sense. <laughs> <laughs> It was a kind of a, it was kind of a Jewish community, and there was a lot of oivang going uh, on. So you know, I guess I don't know. Sorry, uh, sorry uh, to throw you off track here. 
All right. So we, we should probably start talking about music. Sure. Yeah. We've been talking it's, about Gene Simmons. That's music. Possible. But yeah, that was basically it. Yeah. <laughs> it was we, awesome. We, pretty soon we'll be talking about the Holocaust, and we don't we don't want any of that. Let's concerned. not go that far. <laughs> yeah. So let's not go there. Uh, so yeah, we are going to be uh, discussing a uh, big star and the replacements, and we will start doing that on the other side of the clip. Yeah, yeah. Years ago, my heart was set to live. Oh, and I've been trying hard against unbelievable odds. It's so hard in times like now to hold on The guns they wait to be stuck right at my side is gone And there ain't no one going to turn me around mentioned uh we are talking this week about big star and the placements and uh they don't have too much in the common placements? Uh, did you just say the placements? R- the raw placements i did say the placements. you said the placements you were correct i might like I the did. placements I did. You, you how about the placemats the placemats uh, that's probably a band there's a band place- called the waitresses there's probably one called the placemats well placemats it's or... funny you should mention that andrew <laughs> and hey, andrew is not my name by the way so you must be referring to the other one funny you should mention that andy thank you <laughs> And uh, so these two bands, they sound very differently, uh, but they do have a lot in common, uh, which is why I wanted to talk about them together. Um, Big Star was an underground band in the 70s, uh, existed outside of the studio system, uh, was characterized by infighting and gave rise to a prodigious songwriter. Uh, The Replacements were an underground band in the 80s that existed outside of the studio system, was characterized by infighting and gave rise to a prodigious songwriter. Um, One of these bands is good. (laughs) them's fighting words buddy Uh, so i'll say at the outset that i I really love both of them um and i've probably listened to the replacements more um so i could be persuaded uh conceivably to go either way but uh at the outset i'm gonna go with big star um and what you go ahead and go next andy because i I know where uh 
Well, I know where you're going to come down, but uh, I, I definitely know where Jim's going to come down. I like Big Star. I really like the first Big Star album. I dig the second Big Star album. I never really listened a whole lot after that. I mean... I there was like, only one more. Okay. Well, I, you know, I, I re- really the first one, mostly, and uh, even just the first song off the first one is the one, is what I go to, like, a lot. I listen to Feel a lot. I listen to the whole yeah, first album, though, pretty, you know, every once in a while. And uh, I hate The Replacements. <laughs> like you actively hate the I do, well i can't i don't actively hate anything but as much as i can what, whatever the level right below hate is um intense disgust so what's wrong with the replacement so, i just don't like them i just don't like them i just don't like you, like personally or the music or what <laughs> well like, paul westberg is kind of an asshole i guess but I, he, he certainly can be yeah i actually kind of like those i cut those songs he did on the single soundtrack a little bit which is weird, but I don't know. It just, I don't know. Every time I listen to the replacements, I'm like, this is terrible. I don't want to listen to this. Please change it. Anything does it, else. Does it make you angry? It, it does, I don't know if it makes me angry as much as just like agitated. Okay. Was this like a, was this like a record store thing? Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Cause you know, the guys to listen to it. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Okay. Cause you know, the guys oh, okay, at the record right, store okay. love the replacements, man. They're the fucking indie hipster darlings of the 1980s. So, you know, I heard, okay. yes, I listened to it a lot, yeah. and I did not like it. It was kind of like Husker Du, just not my thing, and I had to hear it a lot. And yeah, to hear it, just, it over and over. I, I yeah. think that makes I, sense. I think it's some sort of uh, Minnesota racism at play here. <laughs> my mom, well, he, my mom he was born Prince, in Minnesota. Though, what, uh, my what about Soul Asylum? How about Prince? Prince, mm-hmm. I love Prince and Soul okay. Asylum. I actually dig because like uh, Kevin Smith has used a lot of Soul Asylum songs very effectively in his movies. And yeah, like, they have some like, good tunes. Uh, What's it? Uh, Frustration Incorporated. I dig that song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's and, a good one. Um, I, I like a lot of their stuff, actually. I dig, well, I dig the song. You know, song. Dave Pernier, uh was a, it, it was, is a big time replacement. Oh, fan. yeah. Yeah. I'm aware. I'm aware. Yeah. 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 I know. And, you know, he's, well, he's on the, uh, he, he allegedly uh, is the guy who screams, hey, fuck you, man. At the beginning of um, Kids Don't Follow. And actually, you know what? Hey, hey. When the Minneapolis police are uh, breaking up the the show. Andy Brown. You remember that that weird CA Quintet album? That was a local underground Minnesota band, Minneapolis band. Yeah. That shit's amazing. That's one of my favorite underground 60s psychedelic Yeah, that shit is good. Yeah. Yeah. It's a a quick program. You know, he is the only other Andy here, so. It doesn't matter. All my friends named Andy, I called him by their last name. I could call him Hollis. I could call him Holy Roller. But I just choose to go with Brown. It's quick, simple, easy. Yeah, it works. It works. We're down with the Brown. uh, So uh, we we obviously know which direction you're going with, Jim. But uh, why don't you go ahead and and say just a few words at the end. Sell me on the replacements. No, I'm I'm a I'm a huge replacements honk. I I, I discovered the replacements in uh, the summer of 1986 when I was well. It, we were talking about my son Mitch earlier, uh, who was 17 years old. I was 17 years old when I oh there you uh, go when I discovered the the greatness of the replacements and it just hooked me like instantly. Just one of those you know, kind of lightning bolts, right? And, and and I think it was the music I'd been looking for for a long time, and I didn't really know it was out there. But when it when it when I heard it, I was like, "Oh yeah, that's it." I mean, this is this is this is what this is my music, right? My rock and roll. And the so the the first thing I heard was the Tim album, which was released in '85, um, and there was a you know a bit of a radio hit. And and one of the songs that that uh, 
that Andy Sanford probably hates because of his time in the record store uh, was the first one I really heard, which was Bastards of Young. And it's got that sort of iconic riff at the beginning, right? And, and it's like, I've blocked it, it all uh, out. When I, yeah, <laughs> right. When I, but when I heard that riff the first time, I was like, holy shit, this is it. This is what, it, and, and I remember the moment. I was in a, uh, some dude's dorm room in, um, uh, at Indiana State. I was down there for a, uh, a two week, uh, really dorky uh, uh, summer uh, program, right? And it was a radio TV film program. Um, and just hanging out in this dude's dorm and he's playing me all this music he's got. And, and he, he's like, Oh, you might like this. And I, he, he plays, you know, Tim and bastards of young. He's like, shit, that's it. And so I went home uh, a couple weeks later or whatever, and went out to tracks record store in South Bend and bought everything I could. And as it happened, uh, uh, pleased to meet me was released probably either right before I got home or right after I got home. Uh, so there was a brand new record uh, for me to go buy. And that's a good one too. And there, it, yeah, it was, yeah. And it's, it's my personal favorite. I, it's, I, I think let it be is their best. Uh, but please meet me. I have a like super emotional attachment to because of when it was released and when I bought it and all that. But mm-hmm. yeah, so I was able to go buy, Pleased to meet me and the entire back catalog, and then everything kind of fell apart not long after that. How can you name an album uh, the same? Think, how, how actually, can you... things have fallen apart before. Uh, uh, Pleased to meet me, but you know we'll get to that later. How can yeah, you indeed. how can you name an album with the same name as a Beatles album name? Yeah, that was the joke, though. Whatever. Right? I mean, that, I didn't get they... it. It's over my head. <laughs> that is, <laughs> that is that, the joke. That, that is that the was joke. There, yeah. That was. That was just them being a holes, you know, saying, "Hey, you know, we, we, we're <laughs> this is how good we are. We Do can name wanna, our album the same thing as the Beatles." You want to know? I really, big, really don't. Actually, like... Big Star's name was Big Star's name was Big Star. Number one first record, album was yeah, number, number one, one record, yeah, so number one record, right? But we're not. Ta- we're talking about <laughs> yeah, the and, and and Alex Chilton. Alex Chilton is a huge influence on Paul Westerberg. So there, you know, indeed, there's, there's a lot of uh, even lot of wrote a song about him. That uh, that was on. Pleased to meet me. Yeah, yeah, that was on. Please to meet me. Yep. And Shelton was on. Uh, 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 came to those sessions in uh, in Memphis when they were recording. Please to meet me. So yeah, I mean, they, they uh, Westerberg wrote the eulogy for um, uh, for Did Alex Shelton in, in the uh, New York Times. Yeah, beautiful eulogy. Interesting. I'll have to yeah. seek that out. Yeah, I I liked the uh, symmetry too that uh, the replacements wrote uh, that song about Alex Shelton and then uh, uh, Art Brute who I would say is kind of a similar uh, sensibility to both of those bands. They wrote a song about the replacements and it kind of all worked out pretty nicely. It was better than any um, replacement song. <laughs> <laughs> That's harsh, but you know, perhaps. <laughs> it is a good song. It is a really good song. Uh, do you want to know the real, the real reason why I have uh, extreme disgust for the replacements? Yeah. Please tell me. Did Paul Westberg like bang one of your girlfriends or something? No, no, no. Um, okay. They did a really terrible version. Tommy Simpson. They did a terrible version of, of a Kiss song called Black, Black Diamond. Diamond. Yeah. And like throughout the entirety oh, okay. throughout the entirety of my life, I've had people go, oh man, have you ever heard that replacements do that do that Kiss song? Oh, like, yeah, wow. It's, it's and terrible. So it just pisses I hate you it. off every yeah. single time. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. And that, that, actually, that actually makes sense. That On actually. top of all those other reasons. <laughs> and I was on Let It Be. Was it? Yeah, see, it there was. you go. Yeah. See, that yeah, yeah, see everything about that album is just wrong. Well, I, I kind of like that cover, but oh well. 
<laughs> yeah, I like it too. Of course you would. Uh, <laughs> so uh, we'll, okay, we'll go ahead. I won't, and, uh, I won't hold it against you. We'll go ahead and uh, we'll cover uh, Big Star first. Um, so first of all, Alex Chilton, um, and you guys might not even know this, he was the lead singer from 1967 to 1970 of a band that was called the box top the box top yes who scored a number one hit with the song yep. called the letter, letter when he was 16 My years baby, old she wrote me right a letter. yep that's that is exactly the Give song me t- very um, very similar to uh steve winwood's career arc oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, a little yeah, bit yeah uh, spencer, uh, davis, spencer davis yeah yep and uh so he left that band um he recorded a solo album he was offered the lead singing gig for uh, Blood, Sweat, and Tears. Uh, he turned oh, he that down. Take, he should have taken that. He should have, but he Fucking said it was Blood, too Sweat, commercial. and Tears are amazing. Um, yeah, he said that was too commercial. His Whatever. Words. Whatever. Um, so there was this guy he knew in um, in Memphis. Fucking hipsters. <laughs> bullshit. By the name of uh, Chris Bell. Um, and so he asked him, they'd known each other for a since they were like kids. Um, so he asked if he wanted to join a group that was modeled on uh, Simon and Garfunkel, which he apparently didn't think was too commercial. I don't know. Uh, so Bell it. turned him down. Uh, and then he invited uh, Chilton to go see his band, which was called Ice Water. Um, and it featured Bell on vocals and guitar, and Jody Stevens on drums, and Andy Hummel on bass. Uh, and Chilton, he liked him a lot. Um, he played uh, Watch the Sunrise for him. Um, and they loved it, and they asked him if he wanted to join, and that led to the band called Big Star. Um, and so they went in to record their first album uh, at Ardent Studios in Nashville, um, and that was, at that point, one of the first a few studios in the entire world that had a 16-track. Um, so they managed to record, and they basically produced and engineered it themselves. Um, mostly it was Chris Bell that did that. Um, but that resulted in, I would say, just an absolute classic of a record um, called, as we said, number one record. Um, and Chilton and Bell, they wrote the songs like not I'd kind of say Lennon and McCartney style, but apparently they were much more collaborative than Lennon and McCartney were. Um, but both of them were songwriters. Um, and the first thing I, I would have to say about this album is that literally every song on that album, I think, could have been a single. Um, they're all just as songs. They're all that good. Um, in fact, nineties uh, kids will recognize uh, in the street as the opening of that seventies show. That's right. Uh, yeah. Um, recorded by cheap, trick. by cheap trick. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That was recorded by cheap. Trick. Um, and I, I would say that uh, the ballad of El Gudo is just amazingly good. Um, and 13 is just, beautiful that is just a gorgeous song um and on top of that the production for a record recorded in 1972 is just brilliant um yeah it sounds sounds fantastic to this day Uh, and the the styles on it are just uh all over the place um and indeed when it was released uh the critics absolutely loved it unanimously um by all rights it should have just blown the fuck up um Unfortunately, they were signed to Stax Records, um, which had been a pretty big studio in the late 50s and the 60s, um, mostly with like Southern Soul um, and that kind of thing. Um, But 
Otis Redding was basically their uh, cash cow. Um, and so when he died, it fell on hugely hard times. And by 1972, it was basically on the verge of insolvency. Um, so it should have been a huge hit. It wasn't promoted at all, literally at all. Um, and in fact, the, the band like managed to drum up some demand on their own. And the record label couldn't even deliver enough albums to even meet that demand. Um, and there should have been a reprieve when Stax reached a distribution deal with Columbia House, um, which was one of the biggest distributors in the country at the time. Right. 12 however, for a penny. However, Columbia <laughs> House. Right. And shipping. That's right. Yeah. yeah. However, Columbia House actually removed all existing copies of it from the stores. Uh, so that was their first album. Really? Yes. Why? They just didn't. I never heard that story. They, yeah. Why? They, they just didn't believe in it or. But it wasn't, I guess it wasn't anything specific to number one record. Just they had signed these deals with all these smaller labels and they just didn't care about them. So they, they just didn't, they like they'd signed but, the deal and then they just wouldn't do anything. But it. yeah. Well, okay. So not doing something would have, would have been preferable to pulling the records, right? Right. Yeah. You would I, think I, they would at least get some not money. Not doing anything. It. Yeah. It, uh, I don't know. Yeah, you'd have to. I don't know. You'd have to ask the executives. I wonder if, if somebody then. at Columbia House worked at a record store where they played Big Star to the point where he was <laughs> disgusted by it. Do you think that's possible? Maybe, that's maybe, maybe possible. they were they were confused because uh, they were they're not allowed to have white guys on stacks. Maybe. <laughs> like, wait a minute, something's wrong here. These guys are not a funk band. That's true. Uh, so uh, before I move on, you you guys have thoughts on that first album? It's good. No, I th- I think good. it's I, I think it's a a fantastic album. It, it really is, and it's it's uh, yeah. hard for me to say this, and actually I'm I'm not sure I even believe it. But it's I, better I, than I any replacements album. Is I, that what you're about to say? I could certainly understand the argument that it is better than any single replacements album. Yes, I, I would. I, I could certainly appreciate that argument i'll go you one further i think there's an argument to be made it's the best album of all time hmm. not uh, saying huh. i agree with that, that but might it, be i think there far. is a case to be made there's a case to be made for it that might be going a little far <laughs> that's not, that's not, <laughs> right. but it, it's not crazy is it no it's not crazy feel is it's one of the crazy. best Amber, first songs on crazy? an album that's like one of the best opening songs on an album but I don't know about that. And every song's album. great. Uh, yeah, every song. But every great. song on it yeah, is great. That's true. Every single one. And they play a bunch of different styles. The production is immaculate. It's great. Yeah, and as big a replacement homer as I am, I can't say that er- that there's not filler on every single one of their albums, right? They were a, they were a very uneven band. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um That's putting it nicely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I love the replacements, Andy. You're not going to convince me of that one. Uh, Whatever. So, not surprisingly, uh, the band took all of that very hard um, because they, they called it number one record, genuinely believing that it was going to be. Um, and so they began fighting with each other, and including in one case, um, Hummel was um, punching Bell in the face repeatedly. Um, so Bell responded by grabbing his brand new bass um, and he smashed it into pieces <laughs> while they were recording a follow-up. And uh, Hummel got his revenge by uh, 
Chris Bell had a, a brand new acoustic guitar in his uh, bug. And so Hummel went out with a screwdriver and punched a bunch of holes in it. Um, <laughs> so while they were, yeah, it's pretty hardcore. Um, so Bell left. Um, he came back for a little bit, uh, but he was by then struggling with a, uh, depression um and drug addiction and so he uh quit again and at which point they broke up for a little bit um which i guess is as good a time as any uh to detour into uh the really sad um story of chris bell um which by the way is chronicled very well uh in the documentary uh it's called big star um nothing can hurt me which is extremely good um, it used to be on Netflix. I just looked for it again the other night. It doesn't appear to be on there anymore. Um, but if, if you can find it, it's really good. Um, and this guy should have been, I think, one of the biggest stars in the world. Um, but as we've seen, number one record didn't go anywhere. Um, that only worsened his already existing depression and drug use. Um, so after he quit the band, he recorded a bunch of solo stuff. Uh, but he couldn't really be bothered to put it together into anything. Um, it did finally come out in 1992 on a compilation called I Am The Cosmos um, after the absolutely brilliant title track. Um, and it's fucking amazing as well. Um, and I would go so far as to say that he was a better songwriter than even Alex Chilton was. Um, and I realize what I'm saying in saying that. Um, anyway, in 1978, uh, he was involved in a single car accident in Memphis um, and a, the lamp pole he hit, um, fell, landed right on him. Um, it killed him instantly. Um, many of the people who knew him um, suspect that it was kind of a suicide. Um, and in the documentary, they kind of treated this as like a big reveal at the end, um, which they really fucking shouldn't have. Um, but in addition to the like kind of commercial frustration, um, kind of the bigger cause of the depression and drug use um, were because he was both an extremely devout Christian and a fully closeted um, homosexual. Um, so that's a rough combo. It's a really, really, yeah. It's a really sad story all yeah. around. Yeah. Um, do, was there, do they say if there was like anything in his system when he ran his car into the. Pool? Nope. He was completely 100% sober. Wow. Um, at the time. Yeah, which kind of leads to the suspicion that he right. might have done it, it on was purpose. purpose. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so getting back to the Big Star story, um, they did eventually get back together as a three-piece, um, and they recorded Radio City, um, which the title of that one was kind of meant like, a, like, oh, yeah, you see those guys over there? That's just Loser City. Um, so they meant Radio City was going to be uh, played on the radio all the time. Um, and at this point, Chilton took on full songwriting duties. Um, he did have some input from Hummel and Stevens. Um, and it's a very different record. Um, it's much more straight ahead rock and roll. Um, the song lengths are all really short. Um, but there's still, there's really good pop songs on it and the production's great. Uh, and like September girls, back of a car, Daisy glaze. Um, those are all bangers. Um, the whole thing's really good though. And once again, uh, it was a consensus hit among the critics. Once again, <laughs> Columbia, House, Columbia House refused to distribute it, it's like period. It's a conspiracy. They refused to distribute it. Um, 
So they were now two for two and getting completely fucked over by the music industry. Uh, that one ended up selling 22,000 copies. Um, yeah. And you've said you've heard this one at least a little bit, Andy. This is the second one? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I like Radio the second City. one. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. I don't like it nearly as much as the first one, but I, I listened to it a couple yeah, of times. Of so I enjoyed it. Of course. How about you, Jim? That one I'm not as familiar with. Um, yeah, but uh, in, based on the history of it, not surprisingly, not as familiar with it. Yeah. Um, limited exposure at best. I mean, yeah. that's the kind of thing that you would have had to have been reading Rolling Stone that week, right? Oh, yeah. When the, yeah. When the back, review came back out. Then for sure. Or yeah, like work, yeah, working sure. at a record store or something. Yeah. Yeah, they, they did, they did um, definitely they missed their calling because uh, they, they did start to get a following in the eighties after they were long since broke up and Chris Bell was dead. Um, and that, that was basically a case I, where I, I saw them live in the, the mid aughts opening for flaming lips. Yeah, they, they did. Well, in the mid aughts, pretty sure that's when it was. It couldn't. Nah, it, it was, it was it, a flaming lips in Atlanta at Olympic park. It was an outdoor show. It's like a festival kind of thing. But Alex Alex Chilton was dead by then. Uh, it may not have died? been Alex Chilton. Like, it may have been. It was. They may have just when been did, using when the did name. Alex Chilton die. Two thousand ten. I think it was two thousand. Was that, I don't think it was that long ago, was it? Let me look it up. Who's looking it up? Am I? We'll look it up. Two thousand ten. <laughs> 2010. 2010. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, they, they did get back So, yes, together. I did see um, Alex Chilton with Big Star. It was like 05, 06, somewhere around there. Yeah, and I, I was going to mention it, uh, but they did put out... Or it was the well, Mandela there's one, effect. There's one more, there's one more I'm going to get to, um, but uh, they did put out a fourth album, um, and we'll pretend that that doesn't exist. We'll just all agree to that. I've never even... Um, was that the one that came out in like 2005, something like that? Somewhere around there, yeah, yeah it, it was yeah. awful. It was awful. That one I haven't heard. I so oh, I, I didn't ever listen I, to it. I could yeah, that, uh, that I, one. I could not vouch for its existence. To be honest with you, I, I listened to it once and I was like, okay, well, that's that's that for that. Um, which I mean, you know, that's not particularly surprising. And it, it was just uh, it was Alex Chilton and uh, Stevens on drums. Other than that, it was uh, it was the Posies actually. That's what oh, that was the rest yeah, of the band. That's right. Yeah. Um, so after that debacle of their second album, um, Hummel was like, well, this isn't going anywhere. Um, so he quit um, and went back to school. Um, so Chilton and Stevens, uh, they went back to Ardent Studios again uh, with a revolving cast of musicians for the third go around. And the result was pretty fucking amazing, actually. Um it didn't ditch the pop format, um, but it did subvert it, I would say, in pretty spectacular fashion. Um, this was recorded in late 1974. Um, it combines the by now expected um, production professionalism. And the songs by Chilton were kind of a lot of times really fragmented, um, but they were all pretty excellent. Um, and I would say I probably like number one record more. Um, but this one isn't far behind, uh, like Kizame, Jesus Christ, their cover of Femme Fatale. Um, they have a song called Holocaust on that. That's great. Um, but of course the problems continued. Um, 
their producers played promo records um, for record labels in both, both New York and California. Um, none of them were interested whatsoever. Um, and so eventually they just shelved the album and then they broke up. Um, they didn't even name it. Um, it came out later, um, but it is billed variously as either third or sister lovers when it first came out. So now it's just referred to as third sister lovers. Um, and so you haven't listened to that one at all, right, Andy? I don't think I, I maybe, but I have no recollection of it. You should check that. <laughs> How about you, Jim? That one I have heard, although it's been forever, because I, I, a buddy of mine in college was a, a big, big star fan, and he used to play. I, I knew it as Sister Lovers uh, yeah. then, but that was, you know, 100 years ago. Um, <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> Somehow yeah, you, had it, you had it in college before the it, it 70 years before it was released, that's right. Yes. I only have the first two on my hard drive, so I'm pretty sure those are the only ones I've ever listened to. You, you should check it out. It's good. Okay. It's really good. Um, and yeah, in the eighties, like the replacements were big fans of them. Um, REM was big fans of them. None of that's selling me on it. I'm not, I'm not trying to sell you. I'm I'm (laughs) continuing the story. Oh, this is why, this is why they became a name because these bands referenced. Yeah. Lots of, lots of musicians loved them. Um, and they would like tell their fans about them, you know, like, Oh, Hey, or they would cover them on stage, you know, whatever. Um, and so eventually, yeah, they got, um, kind of to be, you know, well-known as like this, uh, Oh, it's kind of like that hipster band, you know, like, Oh, you never heard these guys from like 1972. They never sold anything. Um, and so, yeah, um, as you said, yeah, they did, uh, they did get back together, um, and they toured, um, apparently did pretty well. And in between that time, Alex Chilton was, he was constantly re- writing, recording, um, touring, um, moved down to New Orleans, um, for, in 1982, um, and, uh, he, of course, as, as we have established, he died in 2010. <laughs> in New Orleans. Yeah. Yes, in New Orleans. Um, and the band was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2014. Um, and only uh, Stevens was alive, just the drummer. So, the drummers, <laughs> even in death, the drummers are yeah, usually always, Ron usually yeah. always the drummers Indeed. are the last ones to die. <laughs> or the first. Or the first. Or the first. Yes. <laughs> right. Like Mick Shrimp. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed. Well, he's died Indeed. several times. Yes, he became a globule, as I recall. Yes. Yeah. And uh, played on Andy Sanford's last album. Right. I, I, yeah, that was in his, his second yeah. life, yes. Yeah. There's a, reason <laughs> I, there's a reason I dropped that name. He, he, he's, so, he's, uh, he's, he's been talking about writing a book called Confessions of a Twice-Dead Drummer. Oh, he should. <laughs> he absolutely should. 100%. He should. We'll see what happens. Uh, I would read it. Yeah, I would read it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, that would uh, be great. Yeah, so that's that's Big Star. Um and depending on uh how well you sell this, I, I might change my answer, but uh I won't. Yeah, I, I we know that, Andy. We get that we've gotten the point. Well, you think you think thing, I made it clear? Right? You think you think here here's the thing. I okay. mean everything Andy Andy just said about, about Big Star, you can basically just take that template, uh yeah, add ten years much. to it, and, and that's much. the replacements career. They're just the replacements are just a little bit more uh prolific. I guess I studio just, album. I don't like their sound. Well, okay, that's fine. 
That's but the, sto- the story is very similar. Yeah, right. the story yeah, it, is very similar. Very similar. I, I checked that. I think it's a seven uh, studio album uh, uh, discography uh, for the replacements. But okay, so let's let's talk about them a little bit, and, and maybe I can at least guilt Andy in uh, Sanford into uh, feeling a little bit bad about about being so pissed off about the replacements. Anything is possible. So, yeah, anything's possible, right? So the replacements are uh, from Minneapolis. Uh, they actually started, well, uh, uh, so Bob Stinson is really the, the founder of the band that, that became the replacement. Uh, he had a really, really rough childhood. Uh, uh, his his uh, stepfather uh, was abusive. Um, he wound up in and out of juvenile facilities. He just had a rough go of it. And then he, somebody gave him a guitar. And I think it was when he was in the juvenile facility. Uh, gave him a guitar. He kind of taught himself how to play and really just kind of dove in to the music. And then when he got out, uh, his little half-brother, uh, actually his little brother, uh, Tommy, uh, was, I think, uh, 11 or 12 at the time. He gave Tommy a bass and, and kind of forced him uh, to learn to play the bass. And, and and when I say forced, it's not like he was abusive about it. He would do things like, like Tommy would be crying, say, Hey, I, I want to quit. I'm, I'm done. He's like, Oh, dude, just a little bit more, a little bit. I'll give you a candy bar, that sort of thing. And so yeah, that's, how, that's how Tommy, that's how Tommy learned how to play the bass. And so then they, they got together with a, a friend of theirs from school, Chris Mars, who's the, uh, who is the drummer. And they formed a band called dog breath. Uh, and they were auditioning singers, um, they, yeah, they, they had a guy, uh, Westerberg, who was a um, janitor for Senator Lautenberg of, uh, of Minnesota. So you 80s political junkies will remember that name, Frank Lautenberg, uh, senator from Minnesota. Uh, Paul was a, a janitor for him, and he lived near the Simpsons. Uh, so when he would walk home from his job, he could hear them in the basement uh, playing. And so he kind of weaseled his way into the band and he <laughs> sort of uh, turned the lead singer against dog breath and he turned dog breath against the lead singer. He's a you know, pretty manipulative <laughs> dude. Uh, and, and actually kind of, like yeah. Yeah. And, and horned his way into, into the band. And then, then they renamed themselves uh, the impediments and were playing shows around town uh, to, and you know, they they have this reputation for being really rowdy and, and uh, drunk and wild and and it's you know deserving uh, a a very well learned reputation to the point where uh, venues wouldn't have them uh, because they were so disruptive and and such a handful so they renamed themselves the replacements so that they you know can get around uh, the the prior reputation and around that time Peter Jesperson who was working at uh, a record store in in Minneapolis had kind of discovered them too, and and was managing them at that point. So he started to sort of guide their career. Uh, he got them signed with Twin Tone Records. So eighty one, they release um, an EP. Uh, actually, nineteen eighty, they release an EP. And, and at this point, Tommy Simpson is twelve, uh, thirteen maybe. Um, Jesus. Yeah, and and the rest of the guys aren't a whole lot older. I mean, they're you know eighteen, nineteen years old. Uh, but Tommy's thirteen when uh, when they release Stink, which is a uh, an EP of I don't know five six songs, uh, and they they hand press the uh, uh, you know the albums and and the the covers and everything. Uh, so that that was when they started getting out there, right? 
then there that, that that's when twin tones uh twin tone signed them uh then they released uh, a a record called sorry ma forgot to take out the trash and and on the on the the cover they uh it says file under power trash because they weren't really a punk band they weren't really a hardcore band uh but they weren't really like a, just a straight up rock and roll band either so they 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 fancied themselves uh as being the the purveyors of power trash and that's what the that sorry ma album was all about you know twin tone uh, twin tone was uh ween's first uh big record label I, I that I did not know. Yep, they put out I, yeah. God Ween Satan, the first the first like, major album. Yeah, I mean Twin Tones Twin Tones had a, a very uh impressive roster once upon a time. Yeah. Yeah. So then later on That's they were too, I'm sure. Uh actually the Hoosters always did their own. Oh, did they? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that was like their thing. They they See, and that's another thing, you know, so there was this, always this sort of friendly rivalry because, yeah, they, the Hoosters were, yeah, the Hoosters were from St. Paul, uh, the replacements were from Minneapolis, you know, they played the same shows all the time, uh, the, the replacements were just, you know, kind of drunk fuck-ups all the time, and Hooster Do was known for being, like, super professional, always on time, they, you know, every show sounded the same because they were just very technically proficient, whereas you just didn't know what you're going to get with the replacements from one night to the next, or actually even one song to the next. Um, so yeah, there was always that whole thing too. So yeah, just, just going through the, uh, uh, the discography a little bit more. So Hootenanny, 1983, this is when they start, um, when Paul starts to assert himself a lot more. Uh, so as the, you know, sort of the main songwriter, um, they started, he, he's, he started introducing a lot more pop uh, into their sound with Hootenanny. Right. Hootenanny was, was uh, you know, really <coughs> uh, diverse sound, right? So you had some of the older uh, sort of hardcore stuff, and then you had, you know, like even country and ballads and everything. And that's when Bob started to get kind of disenchanted with things, right? But that's also when things started to get big. Uh, so then... 84, let it be. Which big, I, big ish. <laughs> big ish. Yeah. Region, yeah. Yeah. Big ish. Right. For them, bigger than they thought they were ever going to be. Um, but then, yeah. So that led into let it be, which I would say uh, also belongs in that discussion for greatest album of all time. Now, I, I totally get uh, a lot of arguments against it. Um, and especially, you know, Andy's uh, hatred for the cover of black diamond no, sir, uh, on like that, it. which, which I would consider, uh, you know, one of the filler songs on that album. Uh, but that is a, that is a great, great, great album. It is. How can uh, it yes. be a great, great, I, I would, great, greatest, a, how can it be a great, 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 greatest, possibly greatest album of all time. If it's got filler. I, I think it's it. not, I think it's not crazy. The, the high highs are, uh, yeah, and that, that's just it. It's sort of like, uh, you know, how can you say LeBron James is, is the greatest player of all time when he's when he just he's got not. swept out of the playoffs? He's not. Yeah, who, he is. Who would say that? <laughs> yes, who would say that? I would say that. He's we not. both would. No. no yeah, not, not even. You're both uh, wrong. I, would, I, I don't even consider it a question at this point. I, I think he just is. No. Yeah. Yeah, so the, the 2018 finals uh, are to LeBron James' career as Black Diamond is to Let It Be. QED. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's an analogy that's that no I, one ever would make, ever. That's good. I like it. That, that song has fuck, 
That album has like fucking I Will Dare. It's got I Will Dare. It's got, it's got Pete Buck. Unsatisfied. On, on, on. Answering yeah. Machine. Like Gary's got a boner. Like, come on. Yeah. <laughs> Who wants to hear about Gary about. and his boner? That's a good song, man. That's really funny. I know. And it was, it was actually, actually so they so that was all about because they they said that every record guy was named Gary. Like, because this is when they were starting getting courted by uh, bigger record companies, and so the the joke was, they, you know, every guy, they every, had a boner. every guy was was named Gary, and they all had a boner for the replacement. So yeah, that's that's a, the the joke behind that. Then the funny thing was, the management company they wound up going with, their manager, was named Gary. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Yeah. So I, Some, I didn't sometimes, know this Sometimes sometimes you just will things into being. I'm sure that's, that's what they right. do. That's right. I didn't know anything about this until just now, and I just pulled up this album. And uh, Ted Nugent is listed as a what? songwriter on that. Did they do a cover? Uh, it must have been a cover. Is it another terrible cover? Well, yeah, maybe, maybe maybe that was something like they got sued. What's the and song? So they had to add what's, him later. What song is it? Yeah, Gary's, it Gary's got a boner. Oh, interesting. I wonder if they, yeah, I wonder if they, oh, yeah, I wonder if they like break into like a part of a Ted Nugent song to, yeah, um, they might have gotten yeah, sued or something. Yeah, yeah, right. That would make sense because uh, otherwise that makes no sense whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a lot that wouldn't make sense about that. Right. So Let It Be was their last record with Twin Tone, and then they they got signed by Sire Records, who also had uh, REM at the time, and so there was also kind of this uh, not quite as friendly rivalry with REM, but they they Just definitely more got of a rivalry. <laughs> yeah, but, but they definitely got along with those guys. I mean, uh, Pete uh, Pete Buck loved the replacements. He he, he plays on uh, I Will Dare, right? He he was you know sat in a recording session. He uh, he played mandolin on uh, on I Will Dare. Um, but anyway, so they get signed by Sire, and that's when they release Tim, uh, which is where Paul really, you know, uh, basically takes over the band at that point. And yeah. that's when Bob Simpson yeah. starts getting pushed to the side. And, and Bob, you know, needed to be pushed to the side a little bit for his own health and for everybody else's health because he had become pretty self-destructive by this point. Yeah, it says uh, all tracks written by Paul Westerberg, uh, except where noted, which is one right. song with co-credit to Mars and Stinson. Yeah. J- just yeah. Tommy, no no Bob. Uh, right. So uh, Bob wasn't uh, coming to uh, recording sessions. I mean, they they were, um, you know, doing a lot of his guitar uh, fills in there. Um, yeah, so, yeah, it, it, it was starting to get bad with them. And, and it was a great line from... Uh, uh, from Bob Mayer's uh, 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 biography about the replacements. Uh, the, uh, it's called uh, Trouble Boys, the true story of the replacements. And and so uh, this is around the time of uh, Let It Be, I think. Uh, so this guy's hanging out with Westberg at a bar. Confide, and he's, it says, it's, oh, this is when they're getting ready to sign with um, with Sire. Uh, and Paul said, uh, I, this guy says, I had the feeling Paul was really worried about Bob. One of the reasons he didn't want the band to have a lot of success was because he was afraid of what Bob would do and what would happen to him. Uh, and so, yeah, and there, there was a lot of that, right? So right. Paul was, had a, he had a vision of where he wanted to go. He, but at the same time, he was, he was starting to think, well, maybe Bob can't be part of it, but he didn't want to just push him away. And he, he's got his little brother in the band to think about. Um, so yeah, things got weird uh, around them, and a lot of people would tell you that um, 
that that's why Let It Be was the last great, the last good uh, replacements album because that's the oh, last that's time. Not the last good. I I I, I, would, I, I I agree with you, but but people would say that because uh, Let It Be was the last time Bob had like real influence uh, on the sound and on the product, right? So Tim Bob was you know part of the recording, but not really. He was on the tour with them, but not really. In fact, there was a famous show in uh, New Jersey where um, they started the show, and for the first two, three songs, ten minutes into it, Bob wasn't even on stage yet. And they literally did not know where he was, but they, they had to oh, start the show. That could be a problem. Uh, yeah, well, and as it turns out, he was in the bar, like, playing a pinball machine or something. <laughs> and then they, they finally got him to come up on stage. That's I'd, rather, I'd rather play pinball than play with the replacements. <laughs> yeah, we get it, Andy. And, and that's and, and and that's kind of where Bob wound up, right? He 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 was Bob. like Andy. He, he got he, Andy's with Bob. With uh, Bob. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, so then they booted him out of the band, right? Uh, following yep. that tour, uh, they go to record uh, "Pleased to Meet Me" as a trio. Uh, but they also invite a longtime Minneapolis session guy named uh, Slim Dunlop uh, to you know to play on that record and to tour with Very him. And then, okay. Yeah, and then they, they so they wind up uh, hiring Slim uh, afterwards, and so Slim was part of the last two records, which were uh, "Don't Tell a Soul" and "All Shook Down," which I you know love both of those records. Um, but it was really clear at that point that the, um, it was sorry. falling apart. Did yeah, the, go ahead, Andy. Did the Stinson guys ever have another band after the replacements? Yeah, they well, actually, uh, so uh, Bob Stinson went and formed a band called uh, Static Taxi. Okay. Uh, he also played with uh, Curtis A. Um, in, in and around Minneapolis. Uh, and then that, Bob and Tommy, as far as I know, uh, never played together again because uh, I think Bob resented uh, you know, Tommy kind of siding with Paul and the band. Right. Um, but Tommy had plenty of bands post replacements as well. What were some of his? I'm, I'm trying to know. So the Bash and Pop was his first okay. one. Yeah, I've heard of them. Uh, they had a really good album called, um, oh shit, what was the name of that album? Friday Night is Killing Me, I think. Um, and then he, he formed a band called Perfect. And they got into some weird, a lot like Big Star, where they recorded this album that nobody's ever heard because it, you know, some weird bullshit with the, uh, with the label. Um, and then after perfect, he, uh, found himself in indentured servitude to, uh, Axl Rose. Uh, oh, and, yeah. oh, that's right. Oh, okay. That's yeah. why, that's why his name keeps popping up. Like, yeah. Yes, yeah. Okay. He was all, he was part of the, the, he was part of the legendary, uh, Chinese democracy, uh, recording. Debacle. <laughs> yeah. Yep. De- decade yeah. plus roiling debacle. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Now Tommy's also released a, a couple of solo records of his own. And of course, Paul's had his uh, solo career. And oh, for so sure. And so yeah. forth. Yeah. Yeah. But I would say those last two albums are both really good. But yeah, it's clear that, that things were falling apart. And in fact, all shook down the last record. Uh, Paul went to the, the label and said, hey, I want to do a solo record. Yeah. I, I, I don't want I don't want the band break up. Uh, but I've got a lot of stuff that I've written and I, and I don't think it's for the band. Uh, and I want to do a solo record. And they told him no. Uh, so basically, All Shook Down is 
a solo record. solo album that just happens to have several of the guys from the replacements on it in addition to a lot of other people and right. it's really it's really not a, a i don't think a like a full-on replacements record so yeah so then that comes out that you know it, it just never happened for them right they they were a band that just never really broke they 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 had one song that made it in the hot 100 uh Anyone care to venture a guess? Uh, can't hardly wait. No, good guess though. Uh, it was "I'll Be You" from, uh, ironically enough, one of those last three records that that was off. Uh, really, Call of Soul. Yeah, interesting. Yep, that charted at fifty-one. That was the one and only single of theirs that ever charted. And they, you know, they had they had problems too, right? The the, the labels. Uh, you know, never really, well, I think they knew how to, to promote them. Um, but the, the promotion never really came together at the right time or the right way. Uh, and, the, and the replacements were also self-sabotaging, right? I mean, that, that yeah. kind of their, <laughs> famously, that was, yeah, yeah, that was kind of a, I, I, I think they had a fear of success. Um, uh, and, you know, Paul talks about, you know, after the band broke up and everything, he went into counseling and, and kind of figured out that he was clinically depressed uh, all this time and blah, blah, blah. So I, I think there was a lot of, just a lot of shit they were dealing with. Uh, and it just really never happened for them. Uh, and then in, so in July of 91, uh, they're playing a show at uh, Grant Park in Chicago. And, you know, kind of before the show, they decided, you know what, this, and at this point, Chris Morrison left the band as well. Uh, so they had a new drummer, uh, Dave Foley, uh, not from Kids in the Hall, um, but uh, uh, another Minneapolis he was busy uh, session doing guy. Radio. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, <laughs> but he uh, he joined the the band, uh, uh, you know, for uh, for that tour, um, and actually he was in the videos and stuff even uh, that they recorded for uh, uh, for um, uh, the last album uh, for All Shook Down. Uh, it, which is kind of funny because they they famously resisted doing music videos. Uh, you know when they that was a miscalculation. When when Warner Brothers, yeah, they would have been on. Yeah, like but, but they you know they, the they felt like they were they felt like they were being true to the rock and roll spirit and everything, right? And oh, yeah, whatever. It was self sabotage, <laughs> and it. But you know when Warner when Warner Brothers finally got to do a um, uh, a video for Bastards of Young. It was in black and white, and it was basically a shot of a stereo speaker with Paul Westberg sitting there with a cigarette. Uh, <laughs> and you never even actually see his face. So if you've never seen that video, I, would, I, I invite you to go check it out on, on YouTube. It's, it's, it's kind of funny. And it's just, it just completely just crapping all over MTV, right. um, you know, which is kind of their whole thing. But then, they, then you know, like too late, they decided, you know what, we need to play the game, and they made they made like a proper video for I'll Be You. They made a proper video for a bunch of the stuff off All Shook Down. But by that time, it was like, yeah, you know, too late. Yeah, momentum momentum had completely been sucked out of the room, and that was it. So yeah, I mean, it was a you know, it was a it was a great band while it lasted. It was a it was a great ten year run for those guys. Uh, I, I read some music critic, and Andy Samford will hate this, but uh, some music critic, I think in Rolling Stone, said, and I agree with it, 
the <laughs> first great rock and roll band of the 80s and the last great rock and roll band of the 80s mm-hmm. was the replacements and they did kind of define that you know that that uh that decade and like big star mm-hmm. very influential right so a lot yeah, of bands definitely had success, definitely very influential. Uh, and right afterwards like goo goo dolls are a great example they had huge success uh and, and directly from uh, touring with the replacements because they went on tour with uh, Tom Petty, uh, where where uh, you know Goo Goo Dolls would would open the replacements were the you know next up, and then Tom Petty was the headline. Um, but yeah, I mean Paul Westberg wrote a song on one of the uh, one of the Goo Goo Dolls' first or second albums, and anyway, you know they had huge success. Uh, you had bands like uh, well Soul Asylum. Uh, hugely influenced by sure uh, by the replacements sure. and it just you know dozens of bands and, and you, it, all these homages uh jeff tweedy always says you know hey everything we've done with wilco is based on you know what the replacements did before us um yeah yeah bands like the pixies uh talk about how they and, and they were contemporary like the um <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so a lot of inputs. So that's why I say, yeah, from like a half an hour ago, uh, just leading, leading in the whole thing, the, the trajectory of, of Big Star and the replacements is so similar. Yeah, very right? similar. Yeah. And, not not know, the same, but similar. Yeah, yeah. right. Not the same, uh, but very similar. And and not coincidentally, I'm sure. Uh, no. Paul, Paul did love uh, Alex Chilton. It just truly, truly love that guy. Yeah, in fact, uh, Pleased to Meet Me, the uh, album that Alex Chilton, the song, is on, recorded at Ardent Studios. Ardent in Studios Memphis. in Memphis, that's right. Yep. Yeah, and recorded by the, uh, engineered by the, uh, or produced, I should say, by the great uh, Bruce Dickinson. Uh, Jim Dickinson. Jim Dickinson, sorry. More yeah. cowbell. More cowbell. <laughs> exactly, right. exactly, that's right. yes. That's right. <laughs> yeah. I got a uh, fever. So just kind of... Uh, um, I don't remember the exact details of the story, but just to kind of uh, illustrate what a fucking asshole that Paul Westerberg could be. Um, I guess it must, it must've been, it must've been Tommy telling the story that he had gotten cleaned or gotten clean, not clean. Uh Um, He had gotten cleaned and he was playing a show with Paul and Paul was like, come on, drink. You know, you want to come on. Like he, did right he, he, he did oh, that to Bob. Oh, it was Bob. Okay. Yeah, he, okay, he did that to Bob. That's and, a pretty and it jerky was, thing to yeah, do. Yeah, and it was... Yeah, that's a pretty sh- fucking shitty thing to do. It, it, it really is, and, and and Westerberg admits as much, you know, now. And he doesn't even know why he did it. I It was out of anger, out of something. I mean, yeah, you know, he was he was a fucked up dude, and still is yeah. in a lot of ways. And it just, you know, that, that's just part of it. Uh, but yeah. yeah, that was that was awful. Uh, what he what he did. Although um, it should be said, uh, what what was the name of that uh, that Grandpa Boy, the first one? What's the name of that album? Uh, uh, you talking about mono and uh, stereo, or or um, no, maybe Dead not the Man, first or one. Are you talking about Dead Man Shake? Yeah, Dead Man Shake. The, yeah. That one's the really good. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and that has more a lot of that kind of poppier feel a little bit. Yeah, um, so the replacement so Andy- so Andy Sanford, uh, Grandpa Boy, was Westerberg's uh, alter ego. Okay, his uh, dumb de plume. Yeah, um, and he re- okay. and he released a few records as Grandpa Boy. Okay, uh, and while at the same, he went through uh, like a really prolific period in the mid 
Oh, it's around the time you he would have did. seen Big Star yeah. opening up for uh, uh, Flaming Lips. Um, where, yeah, he released a, a shitload of stuff. Um, and he had his own issues with, with record labels. Like he, you know, finally had a good deal with Capital and then Capital imploded. And so, you know, he's, he was kind of adrift for a while. But that, that's when he released a lot of really good stuff. And he also did stuff like, you know, to pay the bills. Uh, like, uh, and I, I like this a lot, actually, the, the soundtrack for the animated movie, um, Open Season. Oh, yeah. Actually, the one about that, the, the yeah. bear and the deer. Yeah. That, yeah. I liked a couple yeah, of those songs. Yeah, a lot of, yeah, lot of fun. It was, it was that good. was a lot of fun music, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Actually, Andy, you'd probably like uh, Paul Westerberg's solo more than you liked The Replacements, I would imagine. Uh, I remember that was that one that came out, because I did kind of like those two songs on the single soundtrack, and then he had an album come out not too long after that. That I had that would have been uh, 14 songs. Okay. Yeah. And I had to listen to that one kind of a lot at the record store, and so it, whatever I might have liked of it, I burnt out quick on it. <laughs> it's happened a lot. And I, there's those, a lot of, I know. There's those a lot damn of popular, store guys. There's a lot of popular music, or just or popular with record store people music that I just, I'll never be able to really listen to and enjoy. That's fine. DJ Harvey. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, it's like the, uh, it's like uh, Paul Schaefer in Final Tap. You know, it, it's my fault. <laughs> I, I saturate it. I, I oversaturate. <laughs> do me a favor. Do me a favor. Kick my ass. Kick this ass for a man. <laughs> the, what was his we name? We tons Marty? of promo. Tons of promo. I saturated. I oversaturated. Artie Fufkin. That's it. Artie Fufkin. Artie Fufkin. That's it. Yeah, Artie that's Fufkin. Polymer Records. Artie Fufkin. Polymer Records. <laughs> so yeah, a couple other quick quotes from the uh, uh, that Bob Mayer uh, book. Uh, so let's see here. Uh, oh shit! I lost the one. Uh, oh yeah, here you go. When we started, we were mixed up kids, and we wrote about it. Uh, this is Paul Westberg. Uh, it's funny that the people who related to it the most weren't fucked up kids, though. And I, I think that's probably true because, you know, it, it reached suburban me who wasn't, you know, like a troubled youth or anything. Um, uh, and, and then he says, uh, our fans have always been, dare I say, a little more intelligent than the band was labeled as. I always thought that was ironic. Uh, so, that's yeah. probably true. That's yeah. probably definitely true. <laughs> yeah. Well, we yeah. certainly weren't as self-destructive, I, I guess. Um, and then, you know, kind of at the end, uh, I like this quote too, uh, cause it's, it, you know, very, uh, very true, but, uh, the goal became simplistic and unrealistic, which was to have a hit. And that's where we died. We weren't made of the stuff that makes popular music, but they were though. They, well, kind of in, kind of in the same way that, that, uh, Jeff Tweedy can write incredibly good pop music. Uh, but doesn't <laughs> necessarily, uh, you know, even though he, he they, well, he yeah, has, they, yeah, he has, yeah, it, it, right. But that's not really what he is or, or what he's about. And I, I think maybe the same was true a little bit, uh, about the replacements. I mean, you know, they, they, they wrote, they wrote songs that, that critics love. They wrote songs that musicians love, except for Andy Sanford. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm not sure that I count, but you know, <clears throat> yeah, they, and I, I, they I just, guess I, I don't know. I, I, yeah, and I, probably I, the, uh, probably the self destructiveness, uh, plays into it too, because it, no, there's no you, doubt. You I mean, mentioned some of the, some of the crazy shit they did with record executives. I just, yeah, it's just mind blowing. 
Well, and like as you mentioned, Jeff Tweedy, you know, um, who who was the uh, other guitarist they had for uh, Summer Teeth and uh, Yankee Hotel Foxtrot? Oh shit! Um, uh, what was his name? Yeah, what's um, his name? Uh, yeah, the the. Uh... Damn it, that's going to make me nuts. Uh, he, yeah, it's going to make me nuts, too. <laughs> you got Google at your fingertips. Of, uh, he wasn't part of the – he didn't go back know, to the Uncle Tupelo days, did he? No, no. Uh, Jay Bennett. Yeah, um, that's it. Yep. Yeah, and so he was on uh, – Was he on the Jayhawks? Yeah. Uh, maybe. I don't oh, think so. No, that was um, else. But uh, – yeah, so he was on Yankee Hotel Foxtrot and Summer Teeth, which undoubtedly are Wilco's two most uh, most pop albums, I would say, easily. Um, Arguably their best records, too. Yeah, I would say easily their best records. Well, uh, being there is pretty good. Um, I, but, I'm uh, all Sky Blue Sky myself. Yeah, sure. that one's really good. Too. Another show. Yeah, another show for sure. We haven't done Wilco <laughs> yet. Um, but yeah, it, Jeff Tweedy basically kicked him out of the band. Yeah. Because he, because he couldn't handle that uh, Jay Bennett was really a good songwriter as well. So he just got rid of him. Yeah, and I, I you know, there obviously was that tension between uh, Paul and Bob early on. And then I think a tension developed uh, between Paul and, and Tommy, even though they really are, you know, still super close. <clears throat> Excuse me. Their replacements did reunite. Uh, I think it was in 2013, 2014, something like that, that a, a, a year or two on the road um, and, and got to a point, and they knew this was going to happen, where they got sick of each other again. Couldn't and stand it, and, each and, other, yeah. Yeah, and when they reunited, <laughs> it, it was Paul and, and Tommy with uh, uh, a couple of uh, you know, a couple of other Minneapolis guys on guitar and drums, right? Um, so it was, it was just, you know, it was just those two at that point. Yeah, yeah, the Mick and Keith, yeah, they were the the Glimmerton twins, um, and Paul and Tommy referred to themselves as the Gutter Twins. Uh, so yeah, it, it was that same sort of uh, you know much less successful <laughs> pairing, but uh, same sort of relationship between those two, right? Yeah, Paul and uh, Keith, of course, have turned it into a multi-billion-dollar empire, and. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. Where, where are, they don't, they don't. Yeah, I say Paul and Keith. I they, mean Mick and Keith, and and then yeah, they, and Paul they and don't turn it into you know like uh, four hundred eighty thousand records sold in a yeah I mean, the entirety Keith, of their career. Mick and Keith, I guess they don't even like hang out. <laughs> oh, they anymore. hate each other. Yeah, they they yeah. hate. Each, they, they don't they even hate. interact. Right. <laughs> yeah, they they haven't liked each other for years, but it's, they're business partners. It's sort of yep. like Bill and Hillary yep. Clinton. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and they and it was basically that they. Like uh, this is something Andy. I don't. Had I don't know. Before, Mick, that, like, Mick, and, 19th... Keith, Mick and Keith might have actually slept together. They probably have. On no, I don't. I don't. It's more. I don't li- think more Keith likely than Bill Mick would. Mick, Mick would have done that. I don't think Keith would. More. Done more that. likely than Bill and. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Mick. Uh, Keith wouldn't have known. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah, he might have been passed out. Yeah. But uh, but Andy and I have talked about more than once on this before about that 1970s era, you know, where all the bands were supposedly like getting really big, and then it turned out they weren't actually making any money. Right. That's that's basically that definitely happened to the Rolling Stones. Like they got screwed out of everything. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So then, so then Mick was basically like, "Well, if we're gonna actually like have money, we need to keep touring." 
And yeah. So he basically yeah, it, it's, it's, just it's actually that. so that that does relate back to the replacements a little bit because Paul was actually pretty hyper aware of all that stuff, and he was always like super protective. Uh, you know, to the point of, of again, self-sabotage. But, like, there's a, a story that he never signed a contract uh, with any of the, the record labels. It was one of those, oh, you know, I'll, I'll sign it when we get back from this tour. Oh, yeah. huh. And apparently when they finally did get them to sign, uh, like at Warner, um, <laughs> the story goes that Paul signed Tommy's name and Tommy signed Paul's name so they could... <laughs> So they, <laughs> if they if it came up, yeah, they would have plausible deniability. <laughs> they could still say we never signed a contract. That's interesting. Yeah, <laughs> does not surprise me at all. But yeah, but he was aware of all that, but uh, you know, and protective, uh, 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 kind of against that. Of course, it wound up not mattering that much because the replacement just they didn't did have that kind of volume. So yeah, no. But no. well, I bet that. Uh... I bet all of them live fairly comfortably at this point, though. Just well, from I, I, I guess I, I hope imagine. so. Yeah, I mean, they, they still sell records, and they, you know, I, I, I think Sire and and Twin Tone are still trying to to squeeze some money out of them because yeah, they'll release a box set every now and again. And well, and um, you'll you'll still see in like movies or TV shows every once yeah. in a while. You'll hear a replacement song, and, and yes. they get money every yes, time that do. happens. Yeah. So. yeah, well, that's true, and 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 I. Paul's written a lot of stuff and done those soundtracks. And of course he has all the, uh, you know, the publishing. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I hope they're, I hope, I hope they did. Okay. You know, of yeah. Of course, uh, Bob passed away back in 95. I think it was. Uh, uh, he's only 35 years old. But, yeah. uh, hard, hard living. Hard living. Yeah. He was clean at the time. They say, uh, there were stories that were that there were syringes found by him, but his uh, his then estranged wife swears that that's not true, and that the toxicology reports came back clean, and it was just you know his body basically just gave out on him. Yeah, that, that's what it is. You don't necessarily need to even overdose. It's just yeah, uh, years of uh, doing that to your body. Anyway, that's uh yeah. That's, that's, <laughs> so on that on that happy that's yeah on that happy <laughs> note. But that that's the story of the replacements. And again, I I, I really only hope to, to kind of make Andy feel guilty about his his <laughs> aggravation. Not really. That's uh, yeah. Based on my my Midwestern Protestant upbringing, guilt's like a super important <laughs> uh, super important component for mm. all that. Yeah. Oh well. well oh well. It was with the shot. Andy, yeah. Andy's fatalism. Fatalism is also important in uh in that lifestyle. So. Yeah. Oh, Andy's, well. never, so Andy's never broken big either. So. Exactly. Of course, <laughs> I, I, I don't. Have I don't have any. I, I don't really have that ambition. So. Yeah, and, all, and I don't all, think all I want to do. All I want to do is 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 record music. I don't want to have to do any of the other stuff that goes along with that. And so you wouldn't want a tour. And that was, no, and that I was hate. Bob I hate Jensen. going on the road. I hated it. I hated you would it. hate tour. Yes, I. I really. I. I mean, as much as I have the capacity to dislike anything, I disliked being on the road immensely. It was yeah, always, yeah, I guess you're. You're, pro- you're probably not time. making it big then. It was always a bad well, time. And that, was, that was Bob Simpson's groove too, right? Okay, it I wasn't mean, always he, a bad time, but it was mostly a bad time. Yeah, it, like Bob Simpson hated touring, and he. When they, even when they were actually making money and they were, you know, kind of a name and they were, you know, doing Saturday Night Live and stuff like that, he would still, when they came off the road, he would go back to his job at the at the, uh, at the restaurant where he had worked, uh, you know, before the replacements. That's all he wanted hey, to do. He just wanted. Wayne Coyne did that too. 
Yeah, he just wanted to make he just wanted to make tacos or whatever it was, and then uh, and then you know play music. He didn't yeah you know, he didn't want the the rest of the the stuff. Well, it's probably good that he died, so he didn't turn out like Wayne Coyne did. In the <laughs> I think that I still think the Wayne Coyne thing is an day. act. I think he's fooled you. Bullshit. I think he's no. fooled you. I think he's got you fooled. No way. I think so. He's not. It's not. He's not fooling about anything, man. He's having a midlife crisis. Well, he got know. divorced. He got divorced and so. started doing a bunch of drugs. I don't know about that. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. I don't think he's doing yeah. as many drugs as he thinks yeah. he is. I, well, he I don't think be. he's like mainlining heroin or he anything, might, but I be. think he's doing coke and Molly and partying with uh, Miley Cyrus. I do think he's doing that. How's he gonna do that? How's he gonna do that? How's he gonna do that around Stephen Drozd, his best friend, who's a recovering heroin addict? Who Wayne always encouraged he's, him he, to. He's got to be good at this point. I think Drozd is good at this point. I don't he's, think. He's I don't, I don't think, I don't think Wayne would, think so. would do that in front of Drozd. I don't think he's doing it in front of them. Like not literally in front of him. I don't think he's like rolling up dollar bills in the studio or anything. But I, I mean, if if that if he's doing it, that's what he's doing. Right in front of him. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think so. I guess studios. So I, I, I do need to issue a quick correction. Uh, okay. So so let's do this. So let's be real quiet for a moment, and I'm I'm going to say a name, and then Andy, I'm going to ask you to to paste it back in real quick. Okay. So just one second. So three, two, one. Steve. So when I said earlier that the uh, the drummer that took over uh, after Chris Mars left was uh, uh, the kids in the hall namesake Dave Foley is actually Steve Foley. So again, we the, three, two, never, one, Steve. I'm not. There I'm they're, not they're never. I'm not, they're I, never I, I, needed I, I, to be a mention of Dave Foley. I'm fixing that. <laughs> Just leave it in exactly like it much. happened. <laughs> what kind of rinky dink operation? This. Extremely rinky dink. One, one that has an, an annual income of zero point zero zero dollars. So that's you get what you pay for. <laughs> yes, no, you do. Yeah. No, that's 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 uh, that's not even harsh. That's just fair. Yeah, that is just fair. Um, yeah, you know, I could say, I could go either way on the. I really could, but. I, I did. I did listen to a bunch of Big Star um, because I had to put together the uh, Big Star part of the program. So, right have now, you ever I'm, traveled? I'm have leaning, you ever traveled far without a little Big Star? Uh, you know, I probably have, hmm. but uh, <laughs> but uh, I, I was one of those uh, children by the millions that come from all around. Uh, so, yeah. I, I'm going to stick with Big Star on this one. I don't even know what I you guys imagine, are talking no, about. I imagine nobody, nobody's moving at this one. The song well, Alex, you know Chilton. What? I Alex Chilton by The Replacements. Oh, see, I don't you know really that. Just... I, don't, I don't even remember that one. So, see. It's on a... Uh, uh, Please to meet me. me. Yep. Um, but uh, no, it, it just figures that The Replacements would lose. I mean, that, that's kind of what they're... You know. <laughs> well, Big no, it would... The premise of their existence is that they lose. It would figure if it were Big Star that no, none of us would be talking about them, let alone that they would not win. <laughs> well, you know, before the Cubs won the World Series in 2016, it, it sort of, it, it, at a certain point, it occurred to me that, and I decided that if if, if my life were worth telling a story about someday, the, the title of that uh, of that story would be, My Heroes Have Always Been Losers. 
because I love replacements. I love the the Chicago Cubs. Uh, but then, you know, then Joe Madden comes and screws all that up. So yeah, back, darn. Back to the drawing that's, board. That's too bad. <laughs> I'm a Browns that fan. Sucks. What does that mean? <laughs> that means you are extremely fatalistic, Andy Brown. <laughs> that's what that means. Yeah. I'm a fan of the Andy Browns. Well, All right, fine. Big Star wins. Two to thank one. You. Big deal. <laughs> it's not. Well, it's a, this is not meant to be a competition. It was faded. By, I'm gonna... by any means. It's, this is just. Uh, this show is just about having people on to come talk about uh, music that they love, yes. and you love the replacements, and yes. you did just that. So. Very good. Excellent work. So you, you achieved yeah, the goal. Uh, you know, yeah. I do have to say, Jake Gross, is that you don't sound nearly as old as I expected you to. <laughs> that's something i probably don't sound nearly as stoned either because i i know i kind of you know with the uh jim and shower avatar that i've had all these years uh, <laughs> kind of give off that that vibe and and the truth is you you've only smoked weed very rarely correct uh yeah pretty rarely why is that yeah yeah uh access i suppose or lack what? thereof where do you live yeah Texas. Texas? Oh, you, oh, yeah, you can find it. You could oh, find yeah. it if no, no, you, you could find Austin. it if you want it. That's you risky. That's it risky in sure. Texas. No, I, I absolutely could, but I, I just I don't seek it out. Uh, you know, I I'm sure I I enjoy it as much as the next guy, but uh, not a, guy. no, not not as much as the next guy. Not well, as much okay, as this next enough. guy. <laughs> not as much as the next guy. <laughs> 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 no, it's just, I, yeah. I did have a, a I. I'll, say i've i've had a couple of uh uh bad experiences um one with yeah, uh some, some uh some, well yeah once too it much, was just man. too much and it was it was it was a uh, really good and you know i this is when I, right after college and i had been smoking like just awful dirt weed yeah 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 exactly. that first time that you had like actually good right like, like right. Yeah. and, and <laughs> yeah. i and i yeah. hammered it, do it. I, awesome. I hammered it do out it. just like i did the ditch weed from college and then the the second bad experience which is really really bizarre and, and uh wild experience uh and that i'm not 100 percent con- uh convinced that i survived um <laughs> Was uh, uh you're, still ta- you're talking to us right now. <laughs> Am I? Who is talking to us yeah, right now? Is he? Any of you really was, here? It was this. Uh, it was a synthetic nonsense that a buddy of mine. Yeah, uh, that's just bad oh, for you. Oh yeah, yeah that, no, it, that's not that's weed. Just, that stuff's bad weed. for you. That, that is not count. weed. You can't. You can't. Yeah, nah, you can't. Terrible. That doesn't count that's as terrible. a bad weed experience. But I, I, I've since rebounded and had a couple pleasant experiences since then, and, and fairly recently. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah it's just, just, yeah, we'll just keep, not yeah, uh, keep doing that. And yeah, Jim, it, here, here in a few years, your kids are both going to be out of the house. Right. It's going to yeah, be well, legal yeah. everywhere, yeah, so yeah, there's going to be edibles no, and yeah, vapes and all yeah, kinds yeah. of shit, man. Crackers, yeah. cookies. So my my big claim to fame is that I have never in my life paid a dime for weed. Oh, that's nice. So yeah, you're 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 a moocher. I am big time moocher. Yep, big time mooch. Damn. Yeah, but one thing uh, one thing potheads love to do is share their weed with other people. So. Right, well, and I just I, I yeah. would surround myself with those people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, that's so, so what you're saying is you're kind of like Paul Westerberg, in other words, <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, in some ways. Yeah, I met him. Uh, so yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, tell us that story. 
So this was in 2005. He was on, he had released uh, Folker, one of his uh, solo records, and, and did a show in oh, Dallas. No, that's, that's the one I was thinking of. That's the one I was thinking oh, of. Oh, okay. So that's, that's, a proper, that's a proper Westerberg record. Um, yeah. and, a, and a good one. Uh, and he, yeah, you know, that, that, was, that was during the prolific period because he, he, you know, during the tour, he actually did a release a video, a little documentary type thing. Anyway, and in that video, in that documentary, uh, it showed how, and this is when he was trying to, uh, sort of, uh, give back to the fans a little bit for being such an asshole for so long. Um, and so after the shows, he would do like a little informal meet and greet on the bus. And I'd seen that on the video. And so when we went to the show in Dallas, uh, and my wife, who was a trooper and went with me, you know, not a big fan, but uh, uh, went to the show. Uh, afterwards, I was like, hey, you know, let's let's tuck out during the last uh, encore and go find the bus and, and kind of get online. And sure enough, there were a couple of dudes ahead of us. Um, and where things went really wrong <laughs> was uh-huh. when uh, my wife was talking. She had just flown back from Florida that morning. She was at a, a relative's wedding. And uh, we Andy, our Andy, was uh, not even two yet. Uh, so he's an home sitter and everything. And uh, so she's, you know, kind of talking to the guys in front of us and, and you know, telling her, telling them her sob story. And like, oh, hey, well, why don't you guys go on first? And, oh, that's so nice. Thank you. And so, and I'm sitting there thinking, like, holy shit, I'm not ready for this. I, I, I needed, <laughs> I needed to see how this works. You know, I, I, I can't just go in there. And so sure enough, you know, the, uh, the band comes out, goes on the bus a few minutes later you know, they, they open the doors and like the, the tour manager is like, Hey, come on, on, come on in, come say hi. And so I do. And I, and I, I froze, I, I just went full like Chris Harley and, and, uh, I was like, Oh, Hey, uh, uh, you, you remember when you were in the, in the replacement? <laughs> that was cool. <laughs> that was awesome. And I just, I completely clammed up. You know, I was, I was able to like shake his hand, but I, I hardly remember anything. And, and Carol, my poor wife is like standing behind me and I hadn't even introduced her. And she just, Oh, hi, hi, Paul. I'm Carol. And you know, she's you know, totally, <laughs> Cause she, totally she was not like, impressed. Of course. No. Yeah. She, you yeah. know, not star star. And she just thought it was hilarious because I, I mean, I, you know, not, I'm not that big, a uh, big of a deal, but I have shaken hands with presidents of the United States uh, governors, senators, uh, and, and have never been. And, yeah, I've, I've met a lot of athletes, professional athletes, and I've never been starstruck like I was when I was confronted with Paul Westerberg. And all I wanted to do was just say thanks. You know, just thanks for all these years. I've really enjoyed it, and and I just, just I couldn't I, do it. I mean, I kind of did, but I, 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 he was just looking at me like, uh, uh, you know, like it was everything he's. he's I didn't say anything that he's never heard before. And maybe I couldn't have, but it was, it just, I, I, I really feel like there's a redemption coming someday. Well, um, Hey, at least, at least you didn't say, so I could sit on your face while I'm going to the bathroom. Well, I take a dump. Yes, yeah, yes, that's, that's, so, that's, that's that, You don't yeah, often that. get a chance to yeah, say that so, to I mean, someone you've looked up my, to. He signed my shirt. I mean, he was very nice. He, he was, he was, he was very, very pleasant, very nice. And, and, but you know, I, 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 I think he was concerned for me at the same time. So, <laughs> well hey at least you had paul westerberg uh being concerned for you yeah there's that that hasn't happened to everybody true that's uh that's a good way to look at it i guess 
But yeah, it was all because instead of being third in line, we, we were suddenly first in line and that completely screwed up my rhythm. You might have done the exact same thing. I'm not a lead. Uh, I mean, that's, I'm, that's, your, I'm favorite, not a that's your favorite band. So yeah. you, might, you might have done that anyway. Yeah. And they, you know, your favorite musician is not like the president of the United States or an athlete. No, it, it, really, it really is totally different. And, and it, it, this was a mythical figure. Uh, you know, basically to me. Um, yeah, since you were like 17. Yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. And at this point, I'm, you know, in 2005, I was what, 37 years old, 36, something like that. You mean um, 87, right? <laughs> something like that, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, well, that's dog years, 37 yeah, dog years. Yeah. yeah. So to, to you humans, that's like 249 or something. Right. Um, but yeah, it was just a, it was just a wild, uh, Wild experience. That's cool. Uh, that's cool. Yeah, that you even got yeah, to meet him. Though. That's cool. He was touring with uh, with a group of musicians. It was uh, the tour was called Paul Westerberg and, and his only friends, um, and it was uh, Michael Bland who uh, played with Prince. Uh, I believe he was in the Revolution. Uh, oh wow! Yeah, uh, and Kevin Bow uh, on guitar, and Kevin Bow was actually in the Halfway House where the replacements played their first show. Uh, and again, it was a halfway house, like a sobriety house. And the replacements right. showed up. They, they showed up shit-faced to the show. Of course. <laughs> and, Kevin, and Kevin Bow was there. So that's when, when he became a fan. I forget who, uh, probably uh, Josh Freeze on, uh, on bass, if I remember right. Uh, anyway, yeah, just a you know, great night, great show. I have the bootleg, uh, of course. Uh, of course. Yeah. I oh so the, another cool story kind of cool yeah this is one of my old man boring stories for you um, so it, well I was actually wearing that that Folker T shirt uh, to work at the ad agency where I used to work and this guy younger so this is probably two thousand eight ish two thousand seven something like that um, and this younger guy who's probably mid twenties uh, at that time. Uh, it's like, oh, hey, you, you're a, you a, a replacements fan? I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, long time. Uh, he goes, oh, cool. I, I got this. Uh, I'm, I'm a big fan, too. And nowhere near old enough to have, you know, been a replacements fan the first run through. But, you know, I'm one of those guys I discovered along the way. Uh, he gives me a, 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 a DVD full of, uh, like, rarities and bootlegs. Included in this DVD is a video recording uh from the September 15th, 1987 show at the Indiana University Memorial Union, which, which of I course was at, you were at. Yeah. Which I was at. I was a freshman at, in, at, at IU that year. A video recording. Think about that's that. Crazy. 1987. Yeah. In 1987, yeah, what crazy. that meant. That, that means somebody walked in there with like a with big With one of those big ass fucking, yeah. yeah. <laughs> On your shoulder, yeah. <laughs> and it and the and it was and and the and the quality is pretty darn good. I mean, it was it was just wild. Like, yeah, that's uh, wild. Just you know, the, that's, this that's whole, some, small that's world some kind of coincidence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah was a, you know, this, so yeah, so later on, I, I book I read years ago uh, called uh, "All Over But the Shouting." It was an oral history of the replacements, and so yeah, to thank Mike for that, I sent him a copy of that uh, uh, of that book. Uh, to to pay you know, to repay uh, him for that DVD, which is just again just uh, and I still have it. You know, just it unbelievable uh, of all the 
of all the stuff on there. He had a, uh, the show from Bloomington. Yeah, that's wild. That is really wild. That's uh, that's like finding a needle in the haystack, honestly. Yeah, and and, and, and as I remember that show, uh, now this some of this is probably you know like confirmation bias or whatever, but um, I was like, you know what, that camera had to be within ten feet of where I was. There were probably like six hundred people at that show for one thing. Um, yeah. But yeah, you know, it, it, so it couldn't possibly have been that far from where I was. But like where I remember being in the crowd that night, that that's the 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 perspective that the camera had. Nice. Yeah, that's this cool. is weird. Yeah. <laughs> that's super cool. Yeah, so somebody somebody walked in there with a one of those giant camcorders and you know, recorded the entire show. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, really, that's wild. Yeah, back in the day, that was like, the, the, <laughs> like, of course, people our age will, well, your age anyway, will, uh, right. will understand just how wild that is. But yeah, right. somebody had one of those fucking cameras at yeah, a fucking nine, replacements 90s, concert. 90s kids won't even get that. Yeah. Like, no, not even like, 90s. Yeah, no, 90s, like 90s kids will remember kids. the like handheld thing <laughs> with the, the part that folds out. Yeah. The, right. the viewfinder the pre, or whatever. The pre-phone yeah. uh, uh, video yeah. recorder. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Where you had the little tape for right. some reason. Yeah, like, the little di- uh, digital video tape, yeah. Yeah, that you had to transfer onto an actual tape. Yeah. yeah. All right, I promise, no more, I promise no more boring stories. It's getting like No more, no more old know. men moments, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Technology's gotten so much better now. Now, now so everybody goes to a concert with just their phone. And it's it, their phone, yeah. And the and the whole concert is on the internet, like Pretty uh, much. half an hour later. Yeah, <laughs> may not be the best quality, but it and will that, be on the and internet. And that to me was the amazing thing about about getting that show. Yeah, you know, that, yeah, that. that's wild. <laughs> that is really wild. That like, kind of genuinely shit just, that shit did not happen in the the you know the late nineteen eighty. No, no, nope. We didn't um, have the wherewithal. No, you would have like, like you'd have to hope that like MTV or something was like had filmed at a concert to get any footage of it like that. Yeah, so um, that, was, that was just nuts, serendipity. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, um, and I, I, I guess uh, Andy, uh, you haven't changed your mind. No, you're still uh, voting Big Snoop. No, nah, he's he's still annoyed by the replacement. That's, <laughs> that's okay. That's, that's all right. right. That's all right. Yeah, he, it's all good. He, 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 He's had bad opinions about things before, and he will again. That's true. That's okay. (laughs) Um, It doesn't matter what I think, so it's all good. Doesn't matter. Ultimately, doesn't matter what what anyone thinks. Ultimately, doesn't matter what anyone thinks. Doesn't matter what anyone thinks. (laughs) Again, that's kind of the premise of this show: is that like everybody's tastes are just their fucking tastes. So you know, just come on this show and talk about music you love and why you love it, and that's it. Yeah. Nobody, nobody's opinions are superior to anybody else's, unless. Although, if we had somebody on and they started talking about why uh, they love Nickelback, then we might have a problem. We would but, definitely, uh, yeah, there would be issues. How yeah. funny you should mention that. Short of that, don't even say it. It's too late for that kind of All those right, kind of so, jokes. Uh... <laughs> so, uh, thanks for coming on, Jim. It was uh, a pleasure, my pleasure to have you, of course. Um, yeah, and you, you definitely, uh, you made the case well for the replacements. Um, probably didn't change any minds, but, uh, no, if anybody out there I, hasn't know, heard the replacements, um, there may be a they, listener they with an unmade up mind. They might not have a, you know, they might not. Well, know. and I, I, I or ever listen to them. 
Yeah, I right. think that's the important thing. Like, if, if somebody who's never heard them, it, it, like, could tell from, like, my passion for the band. Like, you know, I don't know this guy, but, man, he's fired up about him. And that yeah. gets somebody yeah. to listen to him. That's, that's, then that's cool. I mean, I've, I've even agreed um, to subject myself to listening to Kiss based on uh, Andy's. Yeah, we'll make that happen. Man, there's nothing wrong with that. Which I have never knowingly submitted myself to. Andy, so. what was the name of that movie they did in the late seventies at the uh, the amusement park? Kiss meets the Phantom of the Park. That's it. Yeah, yep. that was awesome. Classic, made for TV movie, broadcast on Halloween, nineteen seventy eight. Yep, that was amazing. It's good stuff. That does that does sound pretty amazing. It is amazing. Cheesy as hell. I'm, I'm oh, guessing beyond. You have no beyond. idea. Beyond. Yeah. All right. Beyond. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, and of course, Jim, we're going to have you on uh, the Sister podcast. Uh, yeah, I've got week. some homework to do before that, so I've got to read that article. i got to get my yeah. audio situation uh, fixed by then, too. It's pretty long, so uh, I, I apologize in advance. But we will get to uh, make fun of Donald Trump for getting his uh, lunch money taken by uh, Kim Jong-un, of all people. So, <laughs> oh, y'all save it for that one. It's too late for all that, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, uh, until next week. Uh, All right, until next time. All right, rock on. Later. So many bands are just putting it on. Why can't they be the same as their songs? I'm so naive Another record with my heart on the sleeve Izzy is cool As he writes them Not always and I hold that against him I can't believe I've only just Discovered the replacements How have I only just found out about the replacements. Some of them are nearly as old as my parents. How have I only just discovered the replacements? Sure, I've been let down so many times before. This time I really want to believe that the record with my heart on the sleeve. I hope I've finally found a band that's not gonna let me down. I've only just discovered the replacements How have I only just found out about the replacements Some of them are nearly as old as my parents How have I only just discovered the replacements
second-hand records. A cheaper reissue CDs. Extra tracks. 